Please join us in giving special thanks to our coven of patrons. Storyfolk, Paul Jackson, Christy Carson, Sean Powell, Shawnee Basket, and Selina Vogenhauer. You're listening to Lore and Legend, the Halloween specials. Welcome, you're listening to Lore and Legend with your host Rick Scott, bringing you legendary tales inspired by the rich traditions of world folklore and mythology. If you enjoy the episode today, please consider joining Christy, Paul, Sean, and Selena as patrons and help us to pay for the music, the audio effects, the art and technology that we use to enhance our telling of these wonderful stories. If you go to our website at www loreandlegend.co.uk and click support us you can find out how you're listening to part three of the 2021 halloween special from the tales collected in andrew lang's violet fairy book this episode is called three wondrous beggars There once lived, as I heard told, a merchant whose name was Roman, and whom people called Roman the Rich. And he was a very hard-hearted man, for he could not stand the sight of poor people. And if he ever caught sight of a beggar anywhere near his home, he would order the servants to drive him away or else he would set one of his fierce dogs upon him. And one day, three very poor old men came begging up the road. Their bodies were all skin and bone, as if they had no meat or organs in them at all. They leant heavily upon wooden staffs, and their eyes were so deep and hollow that if you were to gaze into them, you might think that their eyes were made of black glass. They had long white beards which flowed over their hands and arms and trailed in the dirt and the muck. And when they came up to the door, Roman was ready to set his dogs loose upon them. But before he could do this, his little daughter... Anastasia crept up close to him and she said Daddy, please let the poor old men sleep here just for tonight Do please for my sake Well, if there was one person in the world that her father could not bear to refuse it was her and so the three beggars he grudgingly allowed to sleep in the loft that night.
And when everybody at the house was fast asleep, little Anastasia got up out of her bed, and she climbed the creaking wooden stairs up to the loft, and she peeped in through a crack in the door. And she saw the three old men standing in the middle of the loft, leaning on their sticks, with their long grey beards flowing down over their hands and talking together in low voices. What news is there? asked the eldest. In the next village, the peasant Ivan has just had his seventh son. What shall we name him, and what fortune shall we give to him?" said the second. The third old man whispered, Call him Vasily, and give him all the property of the hard-hearted man in whose loft we stand, who wanted to drive us from his very door. And their talk concluded. The three shuffled over to the window in the roof. Then suddenly, one of the old men glanced over his shoulder towards the door. Anastasia gasped, and she jerked away from the door. There was silence for a moment, and then she pressed her eye to the crack again. But there was nothing there. No sign of the three old beggars. The loft stood empty. There was only the sound of the wind rattling the window. It was as if they had dissolved into the murk of the night air. Anastasia turned and ran straight to her father, and she told him all that she had seen and all that she had heard. Well, Roman was very much surprised, and he fought, and he fought, and in the morning he drove to the next village to try and find out if such a child as the beggars had spoken of had truly been born. He went straight away to the priest and asked him about the children in his parish. Yesterday, said the priest, a boy was born in the poorest house in the village, and I named the unlucky little thing Vasily, for he is the seventh son and the eldest is only seven years old, and they have hardly a mouthful amongst them all. I do not know who I will be able to get to stand as godfather to such a little beggar boy as that. The merchant's heart beat fast, and his mind was full of bad thoughts about this poor little babe. He straightened. I will be the godfather myself, he announced and he set about straight away ordering a fine christening feast. The child was brought, and he was christened, and Roman, he was very friendly to the father. After the ceremony was through, he took Ivan aside, and he said, Look, here, my friend, you are a poor man. How can you afford to bring up this boy? I'll tell you what, you give him to me, and I'll make something of him and I'll give you a present of a thousand crowns in recompense. Is that a bargain? Ivan scratched his head, and he fought, and he fought, and then yes, he agreed. So Roman counted out the money, 
And he wrapped up the babe in a foxskin, and he laid it on his sled beside him, and he drove back towards home. But when he had driven only some miles, he drew up, and he carried the child to the edge of a steep precipice. And without a second thought, he threw it over. And without a second glance, he went back to his sled, muttering to himself, There, now you try to take my property. But very soon after this, there were some foreign merchants travelling along that same road on the way to see Roman and to pay 12,000 crowns which they owed him. And as they were passing near the precipice, they heard the sound of crying. And on looking over the edge, they saw a little green meadow wedged in between two great heaps of snow. And in the middle of that meadow lay a baby wrapped in a fox skin and lying amongst the flowers. The merchants carefully picked up the child and brought it with them. And when they reached Roman, they told him of this strange and wondrous thing that they had found upon the road. Roman guessed at once that the child must be his godson, and said, Oh yes, this is a nice little fellow. I should like to keep him. Here, give him over to me, and I will write off all of your debts. Well, the merchants, they were very pleased to make so good a bargain, and so they left the child with Roman, and they drove off. That night, Roman took the child and he placed him in a barrel. He fastened the lid tight shut. And then he took it and he threw the barrel into the sea. It floated away into the distance and Roman chuckled. That, he thought, would be the last of it. But that barrel floated on, until at last it floated up close to the shore where there lay a monastery. The monks were just spreading out their nets to dry upon the shore when they heard the sound of crying. And it seemed to come from the barrel which was bobbing about just near the water's edge. So they drew it to land and they opened it and there inside they were amazed to see a little child. When the abbot heard the news, he decided that they would bring up the boy. And what did they name him? Of course, they called him Vasily. The boy lived on with the monks and he grew up to be a clever, a gentle and a handsome young man. No one could read, write or sing better than he. And he did everything so well that the abbot made him wardrobe keeper there at the monastery. Now it happened that about this time the merchant Roman came to the monastery in the course of one of his many journeys. The monks were very polite to him and showed him their house and church and all that they had. 
And when he went into the church, the choir was singing. And one voice was so clear and beautiful that he asked who it belonged to. Then the abbot told him of the wonderful way in which Vasily had come to them. And as soon as he heard it, Roman saw clearly that this must be again his godson whom he had twice tried to kill. He said to the abbot, I cannot tell you how much I enjoy that young man singing. If you let him come to live with me, I will make his fortune, and I will present your monastery with 20,000 crowns in recompense. Well, the abbot, he, he hesitated a good deal. But once he had consulted with all the other monks, they decided that they ought not to stand in the way of Vasily's good fortune if he was willing. And he was. So Roman wrote a letter to his wife, and he gave it to Vasily to take to her. And this is what was written in the letter. When the bearer of this arrives, take him into the soap factory, and when you pass near the great boiler, push him in. If you don't obey my orders, I shall be very angry, for this young man is a bad fellow, who is sure to ruin us all if he is allowed to live. Well, Vasily suspected nothing, and he set out on his journey. It was a good voyage, and on landing, he set out upon the road for Roman's home. But as he was walking, he came suddenly upon three old beggars, with long beers that flowed down their chest and over their hands, who rested their weight against wooden staffs, and who seemed to be so wizened and skinny that, that they had no flesh on their bones or organs in their body. And their eyes were so deep and hollow they appeared as black glass. Where are you going, Vasily? Vasily was surprised that they knew his name. I am going to the house of Roman the merchant, and I have a letter for his wife, he said. Show us the letter. Vasily hesitated, but, but somehow the old man's words were compelling. They brooked no refusal, and he handed the old man the letter. And then each of the old men in turn blew on it and gave it back to him, saying, Now go and give the letter to Roman's wife. You will not be forsaken. Vasily hesitated and took the letter, and then he continued on down the road, but when he stopped and looked back over his shoulder, the road was empty behind him. There was no trace of the three glassy-eyed beggars. Vasily reached the house, and he gave the letter to Roman's wife. When the mistress read it, she could hardly believe her eyes, and she called for her daughter, for in the letter was written quite plainly, When you receive this letter, get ready for a wedding, and let the bearer be married next day to my daughter Anastasia. 
If you don't obey my orders, then I shall be very angry. Well, when Anastasia looked upon the bearer of the letter, she was very much pleased. And they dressed Vasily in fine clothes. And the next day, he was married to Anastasia. In due time, Roman returned from his travels, and his wife, his daughter, and his son-in-law all went out to meet him. When Roman saw Vasily and heard what had happened, he flew into a terrible rage with his wife. How dare you marry my daughter without my consent? But I only carried out your orders, she said. Here. This is your letter. Roman snatched it out of her hand and he read it. And he was confused for it was certainly his handwriting, but, but by no means was any of it his wishes. And so Roman smiled thinly, pretended to be kind and pleasant to his daughter and her husband for the whole of the rest of the month. But he fought to himself darkly You've escaped me three times now, Vasily, but I shall have the better of you. After the month was gone, he went to Vasily and said, I want you to go for me to my friend, the Serpent King, in his beautiful country at the world's end. For twelve years ago, he built a castle on some of my own land. I want you to ask for the rent for those twelve years and also to find out from him what has become of my twelve ships which sailed for his country three long years ago. Well, Vasily dared not disobey his stepfather, and so he said goodbye to his young wife, though she cried bitterly at his parting, and he hung a bag of biscuits over his shoulder, and he set out. And I really cannot say whether the journey was long or whether it was short, but as Vasily tramped along, he suddenly heard a voice crying out. Vasily, where are you going? Vasily looked about him, but he could see nobody. And so he called out, Who is that who spoke to me? I did. This old, wide-spreading oak. Tell me where you are going. And Vasily replied, I am going to the Serpent King to receive twelve years' rent from him. And the old oak said, When the time comes, remember me and ask the king. Rotten to the roots, half dead but still green stands the old oak. 
is he to stand much longer on this earth? The city said that he would, and he went on further. He came to a river, and he got into the ferry boat which lay on the river bank. And the old ferryman asked him, Are you going far, my friend? Vasily said, Yes, I am going to see the Serpent King. Oh, well, when you do, think of me, and say to the king, For thirty years the ferryman has rowed to and fro. Will the tired old man have to row much longer? Very well, said Vasily, I'll ask him. And he walked on. And in time he came to a narrow strait of the sea, and across it lay a great whale, over whose back people walked to and fro and drove as if it had been a bridge or a road. But as he stepped on it, the whale spoke to him. Do tell me where you are going. And Vasily said, I am going to see the Serpent King. And the whale begged him. Think of me, and say to the king, The poor whale has been lying three years across the strait, and men and horses have nearly trampled his back and chewed his ribs. Is he to lie there much longer? I will remember, Vasily promised, and he went on his way. And he walked, and he walked, and he walked, until he came to a great green meadow. And in the meadow stood a large and splendid castle, its white marble walls sparkling with light, the roof covered in mother of pearl that shone like a rainbow, and the sun glowing like fire on the crystal windows. Vasily walked right up to the castle and crossed over the threshold, and then he went from one chamber to another, growing more and more astonished at all the splendour that he saw within that place. And when he reached the last room of all, he found a magnificent chamber with a great bed, upon which a giant or a great elephant might have laid its head to rest. And in the middle of that great bed, there was a beautiful but severe woman sitting. As soon as she saw him, she said to him, Oh, you are Vasily. What has brought you to this accursed place? And Vasily told her why he had come. And not only that, but he told her all that he had seen and he had heard on the way. But the woman shook her head. You have not been sent here to collect rents, Vasily. That much I can see with my sight. But instead it is for your own destruction. 
that my master, the Serpent King, may devour you. She did not have time to say any more, because then the whole castle began to shake, and there came a deep groaning, a hissing, a rustling sound that reverberated from the walls. The woman quickly pushed Vasily into a chest that lay beneath the bed, and she locked it and whispered, Listen to what the serpent and I talk about. Then the woman rose up to receive the serpent king, and the great monster rushed very suddenly through the portals of the room. And it threw itself panting onto its great bed, crying, I have flown half the world over. I am tired, very tired, and I want to sleep. Quickly, scratch my head. And the beautiful woman, sat down near the king, and she stroked his hideous head. And she said to him in a sweet and coaxing voice, Oh, my king, you know everything in the world. After you left, I had such a wonderful dream. Will you tell me what it means? Out of it then, quickly. What was it? Well, I dreamt that I was walking on a wide road, and an oak tree said to me, Ask the king this, rotten at the roots, half dead, and yet green stands the old oak. Is he to stand much longer on the earth? He must stand until someone comes and pushes it down with his foot. Then it will fall and under its roots will be found more gold and silver than even Roman the Rich has got in his coffers. Ah, well then I dreamt that I came to a river, and the old ferryman there said to me, For thirty years the ferryman has rowed to and fro. Will the tired old man have to row much longer? That depends on himself. If someone gets into the boat to be ferried across, then the old man has only to push off the boat and go on his way without looking back. And then the man in the boat will have to take his place. I see. Well, finally I dreamt that I was walking over a bridge made from a whale's back. And the living bridge spoke to me and said, Here I have been stretched out all these three years, and men and horses have trampled my back down into my ribs. Must I lie here much longer? He will have to lie there until he has thrown up the twelve ships of Roman the Rich, which he swallowed three years ago. After that, he may plunge back into the sea, and his back will begin to heal. And then the Serpent King closed his eyes and turned around on his other side, and he began to snore so deeply and loudly that the windows rattled. In all haste, the woman pulled Vasily out of the chest and took him back through the chambers of the castle to the great portal. 
There he thanked her and he made his escape. And when Vasily reached the great strait once again, the whale recognized him and asked, Have you thought of me? Yes, said Vasily, I have. And as soon as I am on the other side, I will tell you what you want to know. And so Vasily crossed the whale. And when he was on the other side, he said to him, You must throw up those twelve ships of Romans which you swallowed three years ago. And the great fish heaved himself up and he vomited up the twelve ships and their crew as well. And then he shook himself for joy and he plunged down into the depths of the sea. And so Vasily went on until he reached the ferry where the old man asked him, Ah, did you think of me? Yes, said Vasily, and as soon as you have ferried me across, I will tell you what you want to know. And when they had crossed over, Vasily said, Let the next man who comes stay in the boat, but as soon as you step on the shore, push the boat off and you will be free. That other man, he will have to take your place. Well, the ferryman thanked him and Vasily went on further still, until the light of the sun was dying on the horizon. And in the twilight, he saw by the side of the road that old oak tree, swaying and creaking in the wind. It was silent. It said nothing to him. But Vasily went up to it and he placed his foot upon the trunk and he pushed. And with a mighty groan and sound of cracking wood, The great trunk of the tree toppled over. And there, underneath the torn roots, was more gold and silver than even Roman the Rich had in his vaults and his coffins. As Vasily stood there looking at this great treasure, he heard a sound behind him the slapping of oars, the creaking of sails. And he turned, and the twelve ships which the whale had thrown up were sailing down along the coast. They dropped their anchor by the shore. And as Vasily looked up at those ships in the dim and dusky twilight, he saw that on the deck of the first ship stood the three old men whom Vasily had met on the road. Their bodies so thin and wizened, they surely had no meat on their bones or organs in their chest. They had long white beards which flowed down over their arms and hands and fell down to their feet. 
they leant against their wooden staffs, and their eyes were so deep and hollow that they appeared to be made of black glass. They gazed down at Vasily from the high deck, and then they said, Heaven has blessed you, Vasily. And in the next instant, they had vanished away as if they had dissolved into the wind itself. Vasily stood astonished. He never saw them ever again. The sailors from the ships carried all the gold and silver into the holds, and then together they all set sail for home with Vasily as their captain. And when they returned, Roman, he was more furious than ever. He had his horses harnessed, and he drove off himself to see the Serpent King, and to complain of the way in which he had been betrayed. But when he reached the river, and he sprang into the ferryboat on the bank, the ferryman did not get in. But instead he reached out with his foot, and he pushed the boat off into the water. Vasily led a good and a happy life with his dear wife and his kind mother-in-law who lived with them. He helped the poor, fed and clothed the hungry and naked, and all of Roman's riches became his own. For many years, Roman has been ferrying people across the river. His face is wrinkled, his hair and his beard are snow white, and his eyes are dim and lightless, like black glass. But still, he rose on. You've been listening to the Lore and Legend Halloween Special Part 3. Three Wondrous Beggars. Your storyteller today was Rick Scott. The Lore and Legend theme music in this episode was performed by Robert Bentall, with additional music by Caleb Hennessy and Derek and Brendan Feister. Music and sound effects were also sourced from the community at freesound.org, with particular thanks to users Satuniman, Toilet Roll Tube, and Phonos UFP for their soundscapes. You can find full audio credits on the blog post that accompanies this episode. To 
find out more about our episodes, you can visit us at www.loreandlegend.co.uk and you can check out those episode blog posts. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, then do please join our family of patrons to support the podcast. Visit our website, click support us and find out how you can do so. Thanks once again for listening. Have a bone-chilling and spine-tingling Halloween holiday, but make sure that you stay safe out there, story folk.